come out with are at first people look at you and say they're crazy am i, am I right to that yeah, there's a quote uh, from Arthur C. Clarke says, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Um, and it does feel like that at times. So I, I definitely agree with the quote you shared. Um, yeah, you know, we have to we have to envision uh, things that don't exist. And that's quite hard and could seem crazy. All right. Thank you, Kathy. And, and welcome. And uh, next up, we have Jason. I'm Jason Waller, CEO and founder of Power Home Solar. It's the third business I built from the ground up. Uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, a four-time uh, entrepreneur winner, EY winner in 2019, and I'm in the solar and renewable energy and energy efficiency business. And we have a motto at our company called BAM, building a movement, one panel, one customer, one employee at a time. We just reached over 2,000 employees. We we doubled our growth during the pandemic. So I'm super excited to be on this panel and help talk about how to grow your business, how to hire people. And, you know, we're building that movement. You can see some of the, the uh, stadium jerseys of the solar we put on NFL teams, getting them to be part of that movement. We need more energy in this world with electric cars coming out. We have to find a way to do that and capitalize on that because there's not enough energy as there is. They have to keep buying power from each other. So I'm about electrification and renewable energy in 2020 to 2030. All right. Love that. And, and you talked about building a movement. Bam. How did you come up with that? You know, so, the praise of the movement, how did you come up? Well, true story. I used to say boom, and my son said, Dad, that's the old company. You should say bam. And he's a huge, huge comic book fan. So I said, all right, I can do that, but i got to come up with a meaning for it. And so I did. And on our first holiday party in 2015, we're only six years old, um, you know, we came up with building a movement. And it's, you know, evolved. Now we do EV and all that. So it's one panel, one customer, one EV, one neighborhood, one stadium, one employee. The list goes on at a time. So super excited. Great. Love that. So, you know, uh, a lot of you haven't, you know, heard my story. Uh, you know, mine, I kind of a little bit about Kathy and a little bit well, with Jason is, you know, I come from the Army. So I was in the 82nd Airborne Division, jumped out of airplanes at 18 years old, would never do that again. But hey, it was fun at, from 18 to 21. Uh, then I came down to uh, uh, Florida to go to college, live in a sunny state. I didn't want to live in snow anymore in Wisconsin. Uh, but I got into the job fair industry. Um, and I always wanted to help everybody. You know, people ask me, what's your degree? And is it a business degree? And I go, no, my degree is in sociology because I believe in helping people. They're like, yeah, but you're in business. I go, it goes hand in hand. Um, but for nine years, we put on in-person job fairs. And, and in 2018, I heard about virtual job fairs. Never thought about virtual, never heard about virtual job fairs. I was like, this is a great idea. Guy showed me a demo of the product and I instantly said, this is the future. I said, this is where recruiting is going to go. Um, I had at my time, my business partner, uh, he said, no, he's like, I don't believe in virtual in-person is the only way to go. And I'm like, okay, we parted ways. You know, he stayed in person. I went virtual in December of 2018. I was at a LinkedIn local event. Um, I was actually driving down there and they're like, what's your why? That's kind of the, what they were doing for that event. And I got there and like, so Steve, what's your why? I go. I'm breaking off. I'm going 100% virtual, no more in-person events. We're going to be doing only virtual job fairs. And most of the people that were at this event were recruiters. And what did they do? They say, this ain't going to work. Yeah, good job, Steve. And I was like, it's going to work, right? Like, it's it's there. Like, I believed in it. Like, you know, I talked to my wife and I said, I may not make money for a year, but we're running with this, you know? And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say, hey, you know, I told people to hold my beer. 
I just didn't think it was going to be a Corona. Uh, but, you know, COVID, what, what that did is I think it opened a lot of people's eyes about the future. And uh, previously, virtual couldn't work. Now, everybody's You know, we did almost 2,000 virtual events in less than eight months. People are seeing that, you know, and Kathy, you, you talk about, you know, with what you do with companies and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of uh, first question I'll, I'll kind of throw to you is, you know, what do you do when you sit down with the company and talk about the future of the workforce, how to recruit them, how to train them, how to keep them? Yeah, um, I think one of the first things that we do is kind of think about, you know, where, where things currently are, right? Obviously, hiring right now is could be a bit of a challenge, um, right? So I think obviously that's why, uh, you know, virtual events like the ones you do are so important. Um, so think about, you know, what are the current challenges? Who are they trying to recruit and who they should be looking to recruit towards the future? Like, what are the skills that they need to be looking at? Um, right. So I do a lot of, I, I help them kind of identify some of the traits, you know, I, I, you know, I jokingly said this in one of my Forbes articles, but I said, it's, you know, right now, um, what I feel is happening with a lot of corporations is, is similar to what happened in the early two thousands when they said, we will never need a social media team. We will never need an e-commerce. We're never going to sell anything on the internet. We don't need an e-commerce team, right? And look at us now. And in a lot of the work that I do, it's eventually you're going to need a metaverse team, right? And if someone proved me wrong yesterday, it was Facebook announcing that they are they are launching a metaverse product team, uh, right? So it's about thinking about what are the skills that you need to hire for today, but how do you start to also hire for the skills you're going to need in the future, whether it's blockchain technology or, you know, whatever it is that, you know, the skills that you're going to need to look for. And what do you see the challenge on the job seeker side? Huh, I mean, in the job seeker side, it's it's kind of a, a great market to be in uh, for job seekers because there's a lot more opportunities and a lot more people trying to recruit them. Um, you know, finding the right opportunities, getting right to, you know, getting to the right person. Um, I feel like a lot of job seekers, you know, feel like sometimes they put in their resume and it just gets lost in the world of, you know, artificial intelligence. Um, so I do see that as a challenge, finding the right fit. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting, yeah, I think it's an interesting place for, for both the job seekers and also for the companies to be in and, and you mentioned this, you know, if the pandemic showed us anything, it's uncertainty. We need to be prepared for uncertainty. Absolutely. And, and Jason, you know, talking about uncertainty, you said you doubled, right? You went to 2,000 employees, right? From from 400 to 2,000. How did you do it? You know, I think that's what a lot of people listening is, you know, with people ghosting interviews. I mean, I had it here, right? Three people started and then they leave. And then all of a sudden you get an unemployment, you know, thing from them to say they work because they, you know, they came in. How did you grow uh, so quickly and what did you do to get there? No, great question. I I think we were questioned and challenged with, are we going to stay open or are we going to close? And there was an argument with the management team saying, hey, you know, maybe we should furlough everybody. And this was late March. And it was the day after GM came out and they were taking a reduction in their pay to stay open. And so I challenged our executives. I said, we're going to take ourselves off payroll. We're going to let our team know that safety is important and that we care about their health. And if fear is real and if you're scared, you don't want to come to work, 
fine. You can be non-active. You can use your PTO. You can use your vacation. But there are people that want to provide. And this is before they came out with unemployment and all this. And when the pandemic started, we had a little north of 700 employees. And so, you know, we didn't want to close down because of Lucy, who was a customer service agent, and she had to pay her rent. Or Mike, who was the provider, and he had a baby home with diapers, and he had to get formula. Like, we wanted to make sure we stayed open for our people, and we want to make sure that as long as customers still wanted to buy and, and, and you know, empower themselves to own their power and, and have a backup plan with battery and storage so they're never left in the dark, we want to be able to offer that service. And so we made a clean, safe environment, you know, followed all of the CDC guidelines in every jurisdiction. We're on several attorneys' calls, you know, talking to HR departments, talking to certain uh, jurisdictions and what the rules and laws are there to be, you know, accountable. And we continued to grow. But what happened was, is we saw a problem become an opportunity where we could upgrade our roster and our team. And I run my business like I do a sports team. We talked sports a little bit before we came on. I want the best players on the field and the best players on the bench. And we have an 80-20 rule in our business where we challenge every one of our directors to put on a PIP plan, you know, for their for their, for their their KPIs, to put them on a PIP plan for 30 days. 20% need to go on there. So they have a line in the sand that 80% are safe, but 20% are never safe. And I believe if you want to be the United States Postal Service or FedEx and you want to stay the same, then you don't have any churn and burn. But if you want to grow like Microsoft grew, like Google grew, like Facebook grows, like Amazon grows, like Power Home is growing, then you've got to be able to not be scared to churn and burn people that are holding you down. Because I believe 20% of your staff, your top 20% does 80% of the work. The next 60% just does enough and does 20%. That bottom 20% is holding people down, making excuses, pointing the finger. So we were replacing and hiring and we ended the year last year with almost 1800 employees we're over 2000 now but we just like you want to sell a product you got to sell people to believe into your vision you got to have culture we lowered our standards of skill sets and education i didn't finish high school and i didn't go to college but i built three companies and this one will do a billion in sales i don't look at your experience i look at how is your mind? What do you do? You fit our culture. Are you hungry? Do you want to be part of something? You know, what are your what your integrity levels are? I mean, what are your morals? Why are you here? What is your why? We look for that more than we look at a skill set. Now, if we're hiring for accounting or we're hiring for HR, they need to have a background. But if we're hiring for sales or installation, we can teach skill sets. We want to hire good people that want to be part of that movement, and that's where we kind of lowered the bar of of you know, their credentials and their experience and really started to do an evaluation on their character if we wanted them on the team. Absolutely. I always say, you give me a positive attitude and a great work ethic, I can teach you the product and how to sell a product. You give me a, you, you have a bad attitude and you're lazy, I can't teach you either can Tony Robbins or Tony Orton. You know, and I've been saying that now for years. Can, can I jump in with something that I found quite interesting? Yes. Um, also, in a lot of the work that I do, we talk a lot about Gen Z, um, younger millennials and Gen Z, you know, Gen Z coming into the workforce. And a lot of them want to work, want to have a mission. You know, they want to work somewhere that matters. And I think that, Jason, what you guys what you guys are doing appeals to them as well, because they see it. They see it as like this is an, one of the industries of today and the future, um, but that has that mission, that mission and that aligns with some of their, you know, their, the principles, right? Um, so I definitely, you know, I definitely see there, you know, obviously you're, you're setting yourself. I, basically what I'm saying is 
in in 10 years you're not going to be 2000 people you're going to be you know 100,000 or something who knows how many well right? that's what i like to hear yeah. i mean you know we're we're, <laughs> we're growing all the time and, and we yeah. said we set goals in there and we hold managers accountable for recruiting because they are almost replacing 20% of their staff anyways. Mm-hmm. And then they know they want to grow. And so they're always recruiting. We have full recruiting staff, but you're right. Gen Z and you know, we don't look for people who sold solar before we won't hire them yeah. we look for people that are excited about our mission. And some are older too. Some sold loan, you know, mortgages, some sold insurance, but they're looking to make a friend. And I think in today's world in 2021, People don't want to be sold anything. They want to be empowered to be educated and find a way to make their own decision. And as a business owner, an entrepreneur, my advice to companies out there is don't get salespeople. Get educators that can get empower the customer to make a decision. That's how you grow and win, not trying to sell something. That's just, that's too, it's not what we do anymore in today's world. We have too much information here. They want to feel like they're making a decision. And that's kind of where we target our employee base. We don't get salespeople, we get educators. Yeah, there's a quote actually from an event I went to the other day, a Gary Vaynerchuk event. And they said, Gen Z doesn't want the brands to appeal to them. Gen Z wants to go into business with those brands. And it's almost that mentality of the people that you're hiring and also the newer consumers that are coming in, seeing this as an investment and going into business, you know, because I, you know, am I going into the solar business because I own the solar, you know, solar at home? Maybe I don't view it that way, but I think younger generations do see it as, you know, part of who they are. Well, it's funny you say that our whole motto is own your power. It's the same title of my book that comes out in October, own your power. So we're empowering not only our employees to own their power and their destiny, but we're empowering the customers to own their power, not have to pay utility company forever. Absolutely. Have you seen, Jason, on your side, you talk a lot about, right, the recruiting um, you know, and building a team for culture, which I think is amazing. That's that's what we do here, right? I, I want somebody that fits in, doesn't matter, age, race, religion, whatever. Can you fit in here, right? Like the culture that we're, we're building here. But have you noticed a lot of people that have kind of switched into we'll call it sales? Um, like, have they retooled? Did they do something different? Like, were they in the hospitality before? Because we're hearing that a lot where people... Uh, from the hospitality industry left and they said, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to take different classes and they changed their career path. What are you seeing on that? I do see a lot of that. I see a lot of, you know, also white collar type jobs that are out there and call center jobs and that a lot of companies that close down that couldn't do things virtual where people have all these, I mean, I can't tell you if we have 2000 employees, it's probably 1500 that have college degrees and I'm not knocking college. But I'm going to tell you, if you're not utilizing, be like a lawyer or a doctor or something, you know, like you, you said where you got your degree, but you're doing business, right? You use it for people. But most people that work for me, they're not utilizing their degree at all. And so when they find a mission or something that they want to be about and a job they usually have, they're not utilizing that. And so when this pandemic hit, we saw an opportunity for people to be a part of something that's futuristic and that's a part of the movement of giving them a why And they love to help customers out. I mean, you know, I can rest assured every night I go to bed, I feel good because, you know, we helped homeowners out. You know, we uh, we created power at their house. That's a big deal. And so it gets exciting and it starts from the top. And if I have the energy and I'm charismatic and I'm passionate about what I do, the rest of the team follows. And then the consumer gets that way. And the old school, like car salesmen, door knocking, Mm -hmm. like that's 
we don't do that no more. People, you know, we spend so much money on lead gen. We don't even have hunters, you know, and if you're in sales, you have hunters and you have farmers. Everyone's a farmer for us because we advertise hugely on social media. We spend like $10 million a month on lead gen and advertising. We're on social media, TV, and radio. Somebody reads about solar in one of our 15 states, it's power home. And then they're like, oh, I want to see how that works. Oh, let me see if I get qualified. And then you fill out the thing, Steve, and we call you and say, hey, do you own your home? Oh, this is your house. Great. You don't have any shading. Great. We schedule someone to come out and do a two-hour presentation with you. So you raised your hand and you wanted someone to come talk to you. We're not harassing you while you're cooking dinner or while you're giving your kids a bath or or playing outside. We're not bothering you, right? Business owners need to get in the mindset of creating a a product or creating a, a a vision for your employees and the way that you can scale and the way that you can talk to consumers of not being salesy, but being part of, you know, something great and educating and something that they need and want, not something that you're forcing to them. That forced sales stuff just doesn't work. I have a lot of competitors. They try to like knock on doors and tell them that stuff doesn't work anymore. You are, uh, you're right on that one. So, uh, you know, Kathy, um, training, what do you think, right? You talk about, right, Gen Z. How do you see the training of the newer worker force or the future of the workforce different than yeah. training previously? Yeah, so I've been I've been kind of advising companies for a while when it comes to training and using some of the newer technologies. Uh, so back in 2007, I was actually one of the VR experts that advised UPS uh, when they were launching their VR driver training program. So they've been doing it since 2017. Sorry, it's said 2007, 2017. Um, and, and what I'll tell you is one of the reasons that a lot of companies are using VR or AR to train their employees uh, is because, you know, just the, the way we used to teach doesn't work, right? Especially with younger generations, if they come into the workforce and you give them, you know, a, a book, they're not going to read it. They're not going to go read it. They're probably, you know, they might watch it on YouTube, right? How to fix something, how to learn to do something. But when you put them in VR, there's two things that happen. First, they have to be focused because they're put in this world. Like there's nothing else to do in that simulation, right? And another one is that most of them are gamified. So a lot of these people that are coming into the workforce, not all of them, but a lot of them are gamers or enjoy to game and you enjoy gaming. And so it kind of gamifies the training. And what I'm seeing is that the younger generations are expecting companies to be innovative in the way they recruit them, they train them, and they retain them. They're going to look for that because that's just who they are. So definitely seeing this kind of change and evolution in training uh, and using these technologies to make the training, you know, more enjoyable and upskill a worker faster to get to, you know, what they need to do. Right. And that's, you know, comes back to what you said earlier, talking about the metaverse. Um, Can you just, there's probably some listeners out there that maybe have heard it, but don't really understand it. Can you kind of give a quick, you know, what it is, what it means, because I want to touch on that on the training aspect, but just want to make sure that people really understand that. Yeah. So the metaverse is originally a sci-fi term. Um, but it has definitely evolved. It has, you know, it has multiple definitions, um, but the easiest way to define it is the successor to today's mobile internet. Um, so very simple, Web 1.0 connected information gave us the internet, Web 2.0 connected people gave us social media, and Web 3.0 connects people, places, and things. And it could be in a physical world or physical world, or it could be in a digital world, or it's kind of like a spectrum of sorts. So it's about our convergence of physical and digital, 
And, and kind of, Steve, what you've done with Premier Virtual is kind of an example of that being thrust into these into a digital a digital way of doing things that people thought they would never do, right? And now it's it's the way it's our way of life. It's normal. That's how things are done, um, and how things will continue to be done. It'll probably be a hybrid of some some ways, right? Um, but I think that it's the metaverse is it's almost like you have to think about it as the internet that we currently experience on our phones and on our computers breaking free of of the squares and you kind of being in in the experience you being in the internet i mean that sounds really strange but yeah it, it's kind of the the future of the internet if you can kind of envision that yes and, and i think that starts at an early age you know now where we're at i mean i didn't have computers you know i think maybe when i got to high school they had computers but now my my three-year-old son can grab my iphone put in my passcode and either get to the pictures, he can get to YouTube, gets to the right things that he wants to, right? They're learning that why he had his seven-year-old brother that he's watching him on his iPad. So this is just now, you have to change things because what we're doing today and what we're gonna do in 10 years and 20 years down the road, it's gonna change even more because they are learning technology at such an early age. Um, you know, Jason, how have you used technology uh, for your recruiting, uh, training, and hiring? Great question. So we've, you know, in order to do any kind of recruiting, we've had to do a lot of Zoom meetings. You know, we'll hire electricians or installers or, you know, field energy consultants anywhere, and they'll do a Zoom interview. Um, rather than bring them in, they just line them up 10, 15 minute interviews and kind of get a feel of it. So they see who they are, how they react, you know, see if they look them in the eyes, ask them the, the correct questions, ask them about, you know, what their goals are or why they're wanting to apply for the job and kind of go through the process. And then if it goes well, they'll come in if it's a local office to a local branch. If not, they'll get a second interview from manager. Because a lot of our people work remote and report to an office once a week. But also with technology is our sales meetings. And, you know, we're, we use Salesforce. We have tons of, you know, we've probably put way too much money into that product. But it does so many magical things. And we tie that into the Zoom meetings to really show them and train them where we have a location. Like you go to a branch and you have a small manufactured roof there with panels. And they can all, every, you know, 25 locations can do a install and remotely everyone can see how's everything going and you can have one project manager or one inspector inspect each job and give them a passing grade or a failing grade to make them better same thing with pitch training you know presentation training we're able to do it virtually where you don't have to sit around and waste time with everybody in the room and they're just pitching right there they can pitch where everybody can see it take notes and learn where we can scale that to several hundred on a call learning pitch training and how to overcome objections rather than 20 or 30 in a room Great. Yeah. Technology is, uh, is, is changing everything out there. What about you, Kathy? What are you seeing? Or what are you, when you're consulting to your organizations, what kind of technology are you having them use? Well, definitely, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality. I, that's kind of where I've spent the last six years. Um, so definitely a lot of that, um, thinking through how can you use these technologies to, you know, upskill people quicker, to optimize processes, to eliminate human, you know, to eliminate human risk. Um, I always share examples, you know, the UPS example, um, you know, the idea is to put the driver in a VR device, have them go through different modules, one, to keep, uh, you know, the community safer, 
uh, too, to keep the driver safer as well. So there's less, less accidents. And that in itself leads to more, you know, process optimization and more deliveries on time, et cetera. And obviously that impacts the bottom line. So, um, so yeah, it's about thinking how can you use these technologies uh, for, you know, to upskill the worker, but also betterment of society. And, uh, you know, one example I give is, you know, uh, medical students being able to do, you know, um, to practice um, surgeries on a virtual cadaver before they actually get to the cadaver and then to the actual person who's going to get the surgery. If that's me, I want this person to have practiced that a lot of times, right? Um, so, so yeah, I think it's those sorts of things of being able to practice something, especially if it's a high-risk situation, being able to do something, practice it. Uh, you're seeing it already, you know, being used with firefighters and with first responders, being able to practice, you know, some of these really, really intense situations. If, if you've probably seen how firefighters train. They have these rooms that you'd actually light up on fire, right? Um, but let's, you know, have them practice in VR before they actually go into this type of experience and then eventually into the fires. So, um, so yeah, it definitely technology is a great enabler, um, I think, of, of these new opportunities. And to me, really, it's a way to unlock employee experience, being able to use these new technologies not just, you know, for to impact the bottom line, there is an impact, but also to allow the employees to get better training and to be better prepared for what's ahead. Yeah, you know, I love that you said, you know, the betterment of society. Right? We all know, right, the driving the Amazon trucks, the UPS trucks, the FedEx trucks, and, you know, getting them off the road a little bit might be a little bit better. But, you know, you also mentioned, uh, you know, with the practicing surgeries. It's like they used to just have that game operation. You remember that game when you were a kid and you had to like go in and it happened? And it's the same thing, right? Now they can do that in VR and see what they did wrong before they get to cadaver. So you really see how the technology is at. Um, so I'm going to kind of switch it uh, a little bit. We talked a lot about the technology and stuff like that. But, you know, wages have gone up. Uh, you know, unemployment has kind of kept people on the sidelines. You know, you get... Uh, people on both sides of the fence of, of you know, where they're at. But um, start with you, Jason, on there. You know, you've done a tremendous job of recruiting. Um, and, and, and you don't see a lot of that with what's going on. And, you know, we work with, you know, a lot of our clients that are having challenges out there, you know, recruiting. And it's, you know, the unemployment, the run unemployment. You know, how do you see um, that playing out? It, with the unemployment and, you know, the, the temporary trends that are out there? Well, it's unfortunate because it takes good people and good workers. I mean, I, I, I try to put myself in that position. If I'm making 800 or 1,000 bucks to stay at home, or I can make 800 to 1,000 bucks to go to work, what am I going to do? Now, I might be different. I'm, I'm going to go to work, but it's a question that I'm going to ask myself. And, you know, that eventually has to give, I would hope, you know, that they're going to have to cut, cut that string a little bit to, to get people working again. Um, you know, we've done a good job, but there's still challenges because we, we feel we pay better than anybody else in our industry. And we feel like we're the best company, the best product. We use American-made panels, everything. But it's still sometimes hard to recruit because they'll play the part of I'm coming to do the interview so I can get my unemployment check. They don't tell you that that's what happens. And then they no-show. And so we put quotas in a lot of pressure. And what we do is we put incentives to our directors and our managers that part of their bonus is recruiting. So now it's in their job, just like, oh, I got to get another sale or I got to get, I also have to get more people. So we like, hey, if, if you need to hire 10 people this month, you might as well bring in 50 for an interview. 
you might as well hire 20 because 10 won't show up. So we're just increasing the numbers and the expectations to get the net net to where we want it to be. And that seems to work. But we, look, we're okay with paying people more as long as you get better people. We're all over the board. And in our industry, it's the fastest growing industry for job growth for solar. But what's really cool is with younger people, like what Kathy mentioned, getting excited about this, we can teach them the installation side or we can teach them the field energy consultant side. They just got to want to work. And I would say six months ago, it was worse than it is now, at least in my opinion. Six months ago, it was like, no way, I'm not going to work. But now I'm starting to see more people are bored sitting at home. They're getting depressed. And unless they're going to open up their own business online, they want to get out and do something and be part of something. But you're going to have to find a way to make those wages worth their while. And you're going to have to. One thing we do also is we show career advancement. Every one of our directors on both production and sales started from the bottom. We have three directors on each side. We have five regionals. They all started so they can see the job opportunity growth. It's important, not just about the money and not just about the culture, but for them to see a pattern of growth of where, oh, that guy's been here six months and he's promoted. That lady was here a year and she's been promoted three times. That has also propelled it and changing. Like, you know, solar has been really male predominant. We started hiring a lot more females, you know, and, and believe it or not, in my opinion, a female Infield energy consultant smokes a male every time. They're more trustworthy. There's more integrity. They're better salespeople. It's just what I believe. I mean, maybe I'm guilty for being a girl dad. I got three daughters and a son, but I'm the first to tell you that I think girls are smarter. Women are smarter. They outwork men all the time, nine times out of 10. So we're empowering them. Like, look, we have female crew leaders and installers on there kicking some butt, asking questions later, installing solar, because you have to change the ponds that you used to. If the, if the workforce shrinks, you got to pick where you're going to fish to get other people. You got to change the, the parameters a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I love that. I've said that many times. So I was in outside sales for uh, for a few years. And I said anytime as, as we're training, I, I did the same thing. I love to hire females because if I'm out there training them, I walk in, I look like, I talk like, I smell like the sales guy. They know, oh, what's this guy selling, you know? And I would just, I, I as soon as like sometimes I'd walk in, I'd be like, yep, I'm here to sell you something, right? Because I try to have some fun with it. But you walk in and a female walks in, it's the guard gets shot just a little bit, right? And if they go out there and they can ask the questions and build that right, I, I you're, you're 100%. It's less intimidating. People are intimidated by the male salesperson to come in and, and sell to them. I mean, that's a fact. And, you know, right. you got to look at cities you're in, demographics you're in, too. I mean, you know, it, it, things you have, we, the world we live in is a better place now, in my opinion, than it was 10 years ago. But we've got a lot of work to do. So we look at demographics and, you know, if we're in a predominantly Spanish area in Houston, we want to hire a lot of Spanish people so they can help, you know, some Hispanics. So we we want to, we, we try to promote that. A lot of companies don't do that. Not like we'll purposely like, like you need to hire like six Spanish speaking reps because we're in Houston. It's a tough market for us. I don't speak Spanish. And then it, all of a sudden it, it starts to morph and you, you gain some momentum there. And I think that that's where a lot of companies, they're so stuck in their ways. They don't diversify enough. Yeah. You know, that's actually one of the next questions I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to get into diversity. We're going to talk about that in a second. It's a segue, but uh, Kathy, um, do you think employers need to offer more skill and education workshops, um, going forward? What do you feel, um, they should offer to help their team, um, their employees grow and develop? Yeah, I think what Jason mentioned about showing a path to growth, 
and opportunities to advance is always key because people are always going in thinking, what's my next step? Like, what's going to be my next role or things like that. So showing them those opportunities, I think, is very exciting. Um, I also love, you know, giving them the opportunity to learn and train uh, and do professional development that actually means something to them and that can help them. You know, um, there was an article, uh, actually, I think it was the the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, that talked about um, instead of thinking about being the best employer, you should think about being the best uh, former employer of sorts. Like if someone comes and works for you, just give them all the tools you can to prepare them to be the best they can be and give them professional development. And if they do leave one day, they'll be your best ambassadors um, because they had a great experience in your company, right? Because if someone works at a company and leaves because it was not a good experience, they're going to share it and they're going to be like, don't, don't go work there. That's not a good place. They're going to burn you. Like, um, and we've, we've all heard those stories, right? Some places you're like, Oh, I'm never going to work there. Um, so I think, you know, almost thinking of that, you know, how do you give your employees a good experience? That's why I think it's important to look at the words, right? Customer experience. We were so focused on customers, customers, experience, customer experience, and it's incredibly important, but what about the employees, right? What about the people that are actually doing the work? Um, I feel like certain companies have burnt through a lot of those people. And, and and now it's really a time to also think your employees are also your customers, right? And I think that that part was missing, but it's starting to get played a little bit more where people realize, you know, your employees are also your customers. So employee experience is very important. 100%. You know, that's that's so important out there. You know, I, and, and Jason, you talked about, right, that, that advancement. So previous company that I worked for, uh, I had somebody who wasn't my greatest salesperson. But he was out there and he just, he worked hard, you know, and like, I remember the day that I interviewed him and, you know, he was from New Jersey and I happened to know some people that, that he trained with that, you know, knew my ex-girlfriend. So it was like a very small, but this guy came in, he's like, I'm going to work hard for you. And, and, And he came in and he was always just, call it mediocre. And then one day I came in and I put a competition out and he fought and fought and fought now, he didn't win the competition. He took second place in the competition. But the guy showed me his competition. Then he came out and, and he was a leader because that's what he wanted, right? His goal was to be there. I found what his passion was, what what his – because not everybody's going to be in the right role, right? And this guy, this was, you know, 15 years ago. Now he's the godfather to one of my sons. And, you know, he's built that relationship because I found what he wanted, right? Because sometimes it's not – Right. And being in the sales side, you know, I always hate this it's not money that drives you. Right. I can always teach you. Yes, it is. Right. You say money doesn't drive you, but you want to drive a nice car. You want to take care of your family. You want to take care of your kids. You know, you want to go out to dinner. That all takes money. Right. But you got to find that in, in the role. And, and I always find, too, like with our organization is sometimes it's a perfect fit for the company, not the perfect fit for the role I have them. And I may have to find a better role, you know, for them, which we've done that quite a few times within our organization when, you know, recruiting somebody and putting them in a different role on that. So back to what, you know, Jason was talking about diversity. Uh, You know, we've kind of been a, you know, a a lifeline to a lot of companies during the pandemic, Um, you know, and and it's, it's thrown out there a lot now, right? Diversity, diversity, diversity. And I think some organizations say it because they have to. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, Jason, what you think is you want to, you know, tell me about 
right? Kind of how do you feel about, right, diversity, uh, inclusion, all of those kind of, you know, buzzwords that are out there right now um, in your hiring? No, great question. And, and two things. One, what you mentioned about putting people in the wrong role, we're all guilty of that. And when you build something in sales, like in, on our side and or in production, and they've been there so many times we've taken the top rep or the top installer, and then they're not the best leader. And we're like, oh boy, we made a mistake. So we created a thing called Power Home University that's training and development. I mean, I've never been a CEO dollar company. I have a coach. I get trained. I get mentored all the time. It's important. And so for the people watching, listen, you, you need to have a coach and you need to understand the best player always isn't the best coach. And so when you promote somebody, we've made this mistake. It's like, oh boy, that person's not a good leader. So then you have to really, we, we created, so we can still do that, a development training center that gives them modules to train and and then learn how to, oh, I'm going to hold this, these employees accountable. I'm going to have my KPIs. I'm going to hold meetings. I'm going to have structural organization. Whatever it is, they need to be better. On the diversification thing, I, I believe that, you know, we don't look at color, race, gender, anything. In fact, I get more excited if it's a minority or a female because, I feel like in solar, it's been predominantly white males and we like to be different. We like to be at the forefront. And so we get excited about, you know, anybody. And we, we, not that we're going to hire someone because they're African-American or they're female. The best person with the best attitude, with the best goals and that fits everything is going to get hired. We don't look at that. But I personally get more excited because I, I'll go down on the sales side. Our assistant director is African-American. We've got uh, three female, or one female regional, uh, two African-American DMs. I mean, the list goes on. It makes me proud and happy of where we are as an organization, how diversified we are. Because when everything was going on last year and the world was going back and forth of pulling tug of war, we were power home strong. We were power home family. It didn't matter if you were white, black, female, male. Didn't matter any of that. What mattered was is we had each other's back to stay open. And that started from the top of what we believed and how we empower people and how we train people. And, and the world is their oyster. They get to do what they want to do. They get to create their own map. Another chapter in my book coming out. So, you know, we put that in front of them to make sure that they got that opportunity. And I, it's important and it gets me excited. I mean, I, and I say it all the time and being in sales, female and better salespeople all day long, always thought that. Uh, and now I'm starting to see some of our female crew leaders are better installers too because they're more organized. They have their stuff put more together than some of the guys do. So, you know, we're starting to see some cool things happen in our business. Awesome. Great. And, uh, you know, Kathy, you know, the companies you work with, you know, do you have to train them on that? I mean, not saying names, companies, but are, are you seeing companies out there that some just have a struggle um, that they want to not? diversify or, or oh, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah. Any of the companies that I'm, I'm consulting with, I'm, you know, they're coming to me for a reason. And so, um, and not because I'm a woman, it's just because, you know, I'm, I'm a leader in my field. Um, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, well, I can't speak for their struggles. Right. Uh, cause I come mostly to work with them on metaverse strategies. So, but I do make it very, very clear that I wholeheartedly believe that as we build the future of the internet, you know, we need to right the wrongs of the past and we need to make sure that the people that are building, um, you know, the future are are diverse. And, and once again, I always go back to this and I always go back to this. It's about humans, right? We're building technology and we're building things for humans. Let's build it for all humans, not, you know, let's not have just one type of human um, create this. Let's have 
all humans create this and for it, for it to serve humanity. So, so yeah, I think it's, 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 you know, it's powerful. Um, as a woman in tech, yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. And even my dad said that to me the other day, he went with me somewhere and he was like, you were the only woman there. I was like, yeah, that's, that's normal. That's normally my life. That's how it is. Um, I've worked really hard to accomplish what I've accomplished, but it, it has been hard. Um, I think people doubt me more than they would doubt uh, a male counterpart. So that's hard. Uh, but you know what? I work hard and I'm very, um, you know, the way I'm seen is I'm glad I have a voice and I have a public persona because I'm sure that there's plenty of young women in minorities or even older women, anyone that sees me and sees an opportunity and uh, sees, you know, I always say this, you don't know who's watching and you don't know who's, who's North star you're becoming. Right. So if I can be that North star for some young women or, you know, young minorities, then I'm doing my job correctly. Let me jump in real quick and, and something. And thank you, Kath, Kathy, for leading the way and not being scared to take on the challenges, because here's yeah. one thing that maybe the listeners and viewers can understand. If, if there is a job opportunity, and someone might not, a male might not be qualified. Mm-hmm. They're still likely to apply for the job. Where a female is more honest and integrity of their of their skill set of where they're at, they're not going to apply for something unless they feel they have the credentials. That happens all the time. If I put a job out there and I send the application to 50 males and 50 females, 10 females will apply, and 45 males will apply. That's just what will happen. And it's not because the males want to work more than the females. It's the females are being more honest of what the skill set and the experience is where the males are like, I'll just wing it. And so we have to find a way, either lower the skill sets or get some of the females or some of the minorities, whatever out there to step up and say, I'm gonna apply for that job, I'm not intimidated. It's same thing for some minorities, like they feel intimidated to apply for a job. We have to find a way to break that barrier where they're applying and having the same confidence and the same opportunity and we're not seeing that enough. And it, you know, I can put jobs out there and want to hire whomever I want to, but I can't get certain people to apply because of that. And we have to find a way to break that barrier. I don't know how we do, but we have to because this guy could be lying about his background, and I'm not going to hire him on a skill set anyways. We're going to train skill set, but now I have 45 guys to choose from compared to 10 females. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where women feel like I need to have absolutely everything on that list of requirements or, you know, and it's like, and no, that should, just it, go ahead and apply for it. it. You, um, you know, guys, I agree hundred percent. I was raised, to be honest, my parents raised me, raised my brother and I not to have like, I was never told, oh, no, you can't do that because you're a girl. Like that was never like never something that happened. We it wasn't until I got into way. tech that I was like, what? What happened here? Find a way to lower the credentials then or something, because it's basic stuff that's in there with these with these jobs. Like you got to have eight years of this and four years of this and two years of that. Now, I'm just saying about my companies. Right. I don't care what the piece of paper says. I care about if they come in and they want to work. We've got to find a way we have job descriptions better to bring candidates in like that and quit putting such strict guidelines on there because most of the guys are lying anyways. Let's call it what it is. They come in, they're like, they don't have that experience that some of the females did anyways. That's a fact. Absolutely. You know, and and Cindy, you were talking about, right, the the females. How can we get the, or Kathy, Kathy's of the world, right, all this to get into the, the mindset of the, college and the you know high school females to have that same mindset because i think that's where it's right like in the software world like you said tech is dominated by men 
How do we switch that? Software developers, it's dominated by men. How do we get more females? I think it's gotten better, right? From like my parents' ages. Hey, mom, you're meant to stay at home while dad goes out and works and, and you do that, right? I think it's changed a little bit, but how can we make it change even more, um, right? To, to, to Jason's point, but yours, Kathy, to get more of you out there into earlier in life to the girls down there. Yeah, I mean, showing them their senses, if you can see it, you can be it, right? So if all I see is leadership that looks a certain way, that in some ways sends a message of like, I'm not a leader, right? Or I'm not I'm not part of that. But if you can see it, you can be it. I think that that's a very powerful message. So I'll give you an example. So Facebook just announced that they're setting up a Facebook product team. A, sorry, a metaverse product team. And they, the three people that they announced as leadership are all men. Two are, you know, more diverse. Um, and I think that's great that all, all three of them are amazing, amazing professionals. I know one or two of them. But to be honest, that to me was really sad. I was like, why didn't, why, why, I'm sure they, I know plenty of people inside that company that could have risen up to the challenge and being the, the, the people that could lead this. So once again, if we're building the future, we need to have the right people in place. And I'm not saying just hire because it's a woman, but I don't know. Couldn't couldn't you find someone else? Like, what if they had yeah. the same issue we're talking about about people applying? That's my fear. Is that is mm-hmm. is that they? I, I just know these were internal hires. Place. Like these were people that were I mean, moved they, up. They internally. should have found out. But I know that we've yeah. struggled. We've struggled to get enough, you know, females to apply for high level positions. We our trainer and development, Michelle Grave, is the one of the best females I've ever hired, and I've hired thousands and thousands over the years. She's a boss. She mm-hmm. was qualified for the job. She applied for the job. She took it. She's been promoted three times, and she runs all of our training and development. She's yeah. she's a bad, she's a badass. I hope I can say that. That's what she is, right? I can't get enough of that. Like I, 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 I we have to find a way to get more people. And I, and I mean, if it's an internal hire, shame on Facebook. But mm-hmm. really, you have to find a way to put put it out there where more people will apply that aren't scared to apply or lower the credentials. Like maybe there's a way, I know maybe we've looked at doing that because we're still always wanting to hire, to lower the credentials of what's needed so you get more applicants. Yeah, I think there's still, you know, to touch on Kathy's point is there are still some organizations, right? Like the Facebooks and they made mistakes and they're not doing it. So that's not helping anybody lower when they're making, putting the wrong people in the wrong place. We all know Facebook. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying they're the wrong people because these three guys are amazing. They're really good, amazing professionals. But I was, you know, a little deflated. I was like, no women in the leadership role there? What? Like, why? Why? So anyway, that to me was just a little, you know, a little sad. Yeah, and, and you see they're starting to, you know, push it out there with even, you know, some of the investment firms that are out there where they're saying, unless you, if you don't have, you know, minorities or females on your board, we won't even look at you anymore, you know? So it's, you've got to have the right people pushing the right message, right? And that message, what I take out of what you just said, Kathy, is they pushed the wrong message. You know, they didn't push the right message. They could be great people, but why, right? We never know, right? We all know Facebook's listening to us right now, so maybe they'll come out and say why uh, eventually. But, uh, you know, we only got a couple minutes left. So uh, last thing, right? Um, Jason, I'm going to throw this one to you, right? The pandemic proved that, uh, people can be more productive from working from home. You've used some technology 
that's out there. You have the Solar Summit coming up, um, kind of on that. Do you want to just do a quick touch on the Solar Summit? Yeah, I mean, the Solar Summit is going to be a way to really talk about, you know, hiring and, and growing the industry that's number one right now and people being virtual to apply for those jobs and what those jobs look like. And, you know, I, I'm honored and, and excited to be a part of that. And I think that, you know, in our business, you know, installation of solar, it's not going anywhere. It's only going to continue to grow. It's the number one industry last three years in a row, wind being number two. Uh, the administration in the in you know, front office right now is pushing more and more and more. Um, I'm in Michigan and my power goes out all the time. So we don't have enough energy as it is. Electric cars coming out, there's issues. So you want to be part of, you know, in an industry, I think there's three industries that are going to be cutting edge going forward. Cannabis, renewable energy, and cryptocurrency. That's just my opinion for whatever it's worth. And I didn't go to college, but that's my opinion. And so in those jobs, in those industries, there's going to be lots of jobs available. Um, I know with us, we're we're in 15 states. We want to be in 25 states you know, within the next two years and continue to hire. We don't see why we can't be at 3,000 employees next year and 5,000 the year after. But I'm one of so many companies. It's the fastest growing industry. We're always looking for installers. We're looking for customer service agents. We're looking for field energy consultants, designers who have CAD experience, accounting, you name it. You know, we're always looking for people to, to be a part of this industry, which is in the forefront, gives you a why every day and technology basis. This is the future. All right. You know, thank you. Kathy, on that the pandemic, people can work from home. Right. A year ago, it wasn't productive to work from home. Right. You, you had to be in an office. The pandemic proved everybody wrong. Right. All the executives out there that said you couldn't be. Do uh, you think that landscape has changed forever? And do you think that is going to now be something that the the talent out there is going to want right are they going to want that opportunity from home what do you think yeah so i i think i'm one of those experiments of people working from home and being very successful despite not being around the water cooler i've been working from home for five years now um so you know i'm one of those people that you know i've been able to build, build a very successful career and not have to be physically at the office all the time so I think the future is hybrid. I think it's gonna be a combination. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes you might wanna go into the office if you're having this really amazing brainstorm or there's a very important planning session and, and things like that. Yeah, you wanna go to the office and have that one-on-one -on -one time, right? But I think the idea of thinking like, you have to be at the your great cubicle every single day from nine to five because that equals productivity is wrong. Right. Um, you know, as a mom, as you know, a working parent, I, you know, working from home has been very beneficial. Right. Very, very. I know my, my kids know I'm busy, but I, they know I'm here. So that's really important to me. And I think to a lot of people, um, I've even seen that, like people saying, like, work from home is going to be a perk. Well, I hope, it. you know, right now it could feel like a perk, but I hope it's the standard. And I hope it's like some type of hybrid model where, yeah, you might come, you know, when you're needed into the office. Um, that's my personal view. And I think that there's going to need to be some type of hybrid hybridization. Yeah, I think hybrid, you know, that's kind of a buzzword too. You know, I say virtual is the future, hybrid is now. And, you know, people are really starting to see the hybrid. Now, I'm that, I, even during COVID, I went to the office on a daily basis. And people are like, well, why'd you go to the office? Why don't you work from home? I have a three-year-old and six-year-old that they didn't know when daddy's upstairs at the office, they want to knock on the door and they didn't understand those boundaries because I was working a lot. So I went to the office. But, you know, we just opened our new office in Delray and 
I put a gym in there. I ripped out the conference room. said, we're not going to have conference meetings. If you want to go into the gym, we got the gym in here, right? I got the lounge. They can come in here. So people can come in and I don't make it mandatory, but people want to come into the office, right? So that they can come in. But if they want to work from home, they can work from home and we give them that opportunity. And I think that's, you know, what you're seeing and I, you know, on the recruiting side and, and always sales is always the toughest one. Right. And, and Jason, what do you think? Right. I mean, you you have all sorts of people on the sales side. What do you feel about right that that remote compared to an in office? So uh, even we do inside sales, too, where we can do it virtually through Zoom. We don't have to show up to the house. That's yeah. 20 percent of our business is done online. But I'm a big believer of it really depends on the person or maybe the team. Yes. Because there are certain positions, and like you said, your situation, where people can't work from home and be successful. And then there are certain ones that, like Kathy said, and I work from home most of the time. Now I'm going back to North Carolina. I'll be in the office every day because I want to be. That's where the executives are. I'll be there. But Michigan, we have a huge call center in Troy. I'm not going to go in there. None of the executives are in there. I'm not going to go in there and stick my nose in everything and become the Tasmanian devil and make it worse, right? I want to stay out of people's way, so I work from home. But... It depends on the department, it depends on the leadership of that department, what the position is. For us in sales, I prefer our folks to show up to the consumer's house, build that rapport and relationship, walk the home with them. But we know it's, it's easier to scale online sales. So we're doing that, you know, via Zoom and other applications. So we're going to continue to grow that because that's the future of most or half, the, at least half the business, we think. But working from home, I think it's something that's earned. I don't think it's something that's given somebody that can prove to do it. I think it's a smart choice. Give them, a, you know, hey, how are they performing? What are they doing? Because some people could work more from home, but some can't based on the situation. I think it's a case by case scenario. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's, you know, the person. And, you know, we're in South Florida and, you know, you got Atlanta or California. When you think about, you know, I look at this, I've always had an office that I put that was very close to my house because I don't want to be stuck in traffic. It's not a good thing, right? Now what do I do though? I put on my podcast, I put on Audible, and I listen to it as I move my office. You need, you need to put on the True Underdog podcast. So you, that right True Under, I just, I, I got it up right now with you and Tucker Max, right? It was, uh, I started to listen to it yesterday. So uh, it is, that's now what I'm getting into moving. I've never had an office 20 minutes from my house. This is the farthest it's ever been. Away from that's therapeutic, though, Steve. You, you, that's therapeutic to drive and listen to things. I used to not like it either. Now I, I miss it. I'm like, I gotta go. I'm getting out of the house. I go get a coffee and spend an hour and a half in the parking lot just because I need to decompress and have that. I mean, that's. I think it's therapeutic. Yeah, and there's some people that are like that. I'm the opposite. I don't want to be stuck in traffic. Even if I listen to a phenomenal podcast, but when you start to think about it, and some of these people are like. I got to wake up at seven. I got to get ready. I got to get dressed. I got to do all this stuff, right? Their day, right? Their mindset is immediately negative, right? Because I think mindset is key to a lot of things. Their mindset is negative. I got to go get stuck in traffic, right? And then what happens at three o'clock? Oh, my mindset starts. I'm going to have to drive at five o'clock. I'm going to be stuck in traffic. So you lose that productivity. So to me, those people that can work at home, you gain so much more time. Because you're not losing that last couple hours. When you get to the office, you're frustrated. You're like, I just got stuck in. Then they got to walk around to everybody's office and talk to them. I believe it's the mindset. And I think if somebody can be successful at home, 
they can be successful at the office. They can be successful at the office. They can be successful at home. It's it's the mindset, right? It's, it's the mindset, but it's also the environment. Uh, someone who does has who has like two kids and and two dogs, and it's during the day and they've got to talk to people. That's hard. They'd have to put their kids and dogs in daycare. Which if they were going to the office, they would. And we have people that work remote that are like. You know, we don't say, well, your kids are home or not, but we can tell based on them on the phone and what's going on and when they're available. And we're just like, look, just make sure that you're able to do that. And we've had people crush it. Like, whoa, we're getting so much out of them because they treat it like a real job. They take the kids to daycare, they take the dogs to daycare, or maybe someone else has the kids for that, whatever the choice is. Because because you're right, kids don't understand that mom or dad are at home working from home when they're little. They don't get it. So that environment is the only thing I see being um, that, that can hold people back Besides mindset, it is mindset, but the environment is important of what they can accomplish because you can't control what your kids or, or dogs, you know, feel or want to do during the day when you're working. How many times you've been on a Zoom call now and all of a sudden a cat will come across or a dog will jump on. And people My dog's barking in the background. I'm on a podcast. I'm like, can you guys shut the dogs up? No. <laughs> you know, I just go, hey, it's real life now. You know, somebody will say something like it's that's that's life now. So it is. All right. So, well, we're right at, you know, right at the hour. Uh, Kathy and Jason, I, I appreciate you guys getting on. Any last things that you guys want to talk about the future of the workforce? Any last things you want to say? We'll start with you, Kathy. Anything? No, I'm just, you know, very positive about the future. I'm excited about, you know, the metaverse that we're building. And I'm just honored to be a leading female voice, uh, a leading voice. You know, I don't even have to qualify myself, a leading voice in the industry. All right. Well, we, we love what you're doing out there. So thank you, Kathy. Jason, any last thing from you? Yeah. First, I want to give kudos to Kathy for being a leading voice out there. Thank you, Kathy, for everything you do and bring to the table. And thank you for this opportunity, Steve. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited about the future. We live in the greatest country. And I feel like in the business, I'm in the greatest industry. And I have the greatest team. And so it's, I'm excited about what the future holds. I'm excited about where we're going to go as, as a human race and what things are holding in the future. It's super exciting. Technology, you're right. 20 years ago, we didn't have cell phones. I mean, I, my kids are like, really? I'm like, yeah, I used to have to go to a payphone, put a quarter in and call and check in with my parents. I had a pager. What's a pager? Like, I get so excited about technology. You had paper maps, right? <laughs> oh, yes. At 17 years old, I drove from North Carolina to Arizona on my own, and I was using a paper map, and I had quarters <laughs> to call at a payphone. And I'm like, I would never allow my kids to do that at 30, let alone 17. But look at where we've come as, as a race and as a country and what's going on. And yeah, of course, we still got bad stuff, but we're getting better every day. And I have a motto, AGB, always getting better. And as long as we continue to have that mindset, and we take that step forward. I think we're all going in the right direction. And, you know, you just and, and to hire people, just keep trying. It's like fishing. Stick nets out there everywhere. Don't limit yourself of who you got to hire. I saw a note out there. Hey, you might not be in the wrong place. We're on everything looking for everybody anywhere. We're moving every rock to try to recruit. So that's what you got to do. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. Thank you again, Kathy. Keep up everything that you guys are doing. Look forward to continue uh, working with you. All. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody.